Welcome to the Urantia Radio Podcast. My name is Jim Watkins, longtime reader and student of the fifth epical revelation. Do you know what that means? That means we have discovered the truth. The lost ark, the ark of the covenant, is right in our very hands. And that's what we talk about here on the Urantia Radio Podcast. Coming up, we're going to go back to the forward. And it sound nice going back to the forward. You know, in my previous interview, where I interviewed Ryan Heron, he made a couple of very salient points. And if you haven't listened to the, the full interview, go back and listen again. Because he talks about how the forward, which is so challenging for so many people. How many times have you given the Arantia book to somebody and they read the forward and they hand it back to you and says, I don't know what that means. I have no idea what that means. Well, there's a reason for that. And that's what we're going to kind of touch on when we come back. I've got to play a couple of these ads to pay for the for the podcast, but we'll be back in just a second and we'll get into what I think is some really interesting writings uh, that, that could blow you away. Anyway, as it did to me. So we'll be right back. You're listening to the Rancher Radio Podcast. Stay right there. Yes, from Roundabout, and it's called Mood for a Day, and it's just very nice, very pleasant, and it's good to have you here again on your Rancher Radio. And next week we are going to be uh, we're going to be blessed with an appearance by a woman who has written a spiritual bill of rights, and she's doing a lot of things behind the scenes to help spread the the teachings of the Urantia book because that's what really what we, we all feel compelled to do, right? When we read the book, I know. Almost every time I read the book, I immediately want to share that concept with somebody. And I know that you feel that way too. And that's why this book is so special, because it's just so filled with, with so many salient points about things and perspectives. I was reading the other day about the Trinity teacher uh, sons and the inspired Trinity spirits. And, and, and then just yesterday, reading about the emerging of God the Supreme. And these are concepts that I think have yet to be discussed in the realms of philosophy and science. There are a lot of incredibly brilliant brains out there, I think, that may not be aware of what the Urantia book has to say specifically. A lot of people get hung up on what it is instead of what it says. You know, I often think to myself, I know if someone like an Elon Musk were to read this book, or uh, Jeff Bezos, or someone in a position where they could have a, a positive impact, Bill Gates, instead of chasing green rainbows, you know, there's a bigger picture. There's such a bigger picture uh, to be had, and and I understand why this con this conceptual uh, array can go over a lot of people's heads because they're spiritually illiterate, or they have a hard time conceptualizing beyond that which gives them comfort. A lot of people simply go to religion for emotional comfort, as they should. But my point is, if, if, if people of great impact and influence could be exposed to these teachings and really take time to learn and read 
the Urantia book and what it has to say, they will, I, I can't help but to believe that they will know better. It will change their outlook and hence it will change maybe their behavior. Uh, you know, so uh, congrats to the efforts to all the people that have been busy all these years putting the book in libraries across the country and doing all the things that they do in, a, in kind of a soft way. There was a quote today that my thought for the day from the Arantia book that the light, it should only be bright enough so that it doesn't attract itself, but only the truth. And uh, speaking of great minds, we, we want to give a, or at least I want to give a shout out to the Lear family. Norman Lear passed away recently. And uh, he was quite advanced in years, so probably not a huge surprise. But nevertheless, we always we always hate to see our friends and our family graduate before we do. It's one of the great lessons of the later part of life, is is that you it's the loss, but reinforced by the fact that I feel that I have I, I I derive great comfort in having a good conceptual idea of where they're going, and what they're doing, and the fact that. You know, in that afterlife, in the Maranche spheres, we will meet again. And that's something that gives me great hope. And that's essentially what the Arantia book says is the value, the great value of spirituality is the hope that it gives you. Uh, and it, it, uh, it should, it should inspire you to look for what's ahead and know that what happens here and now will have an impact on what happens ahead. So Norman Lear and his family, and I know his wife is a, is a great member of the uh, the Arantia Book family, I think out in Los Angeles. I never could, no one ever told me whether Norman was ever involved or liked the Arantia Book. I've heard that his wife, but no one ever t mentions whether Norman. Now, I personally know from experience what it's like to have somebody who doesn't care about the Arantia Book and you happen to be married to them because... Again, the odds are stacked against us. There are not that many Arantia book readers relative to other faiths and beliefs and, and groups. So it's more common to have a spouse who wouldn't necessarily subscribe to the Arantia book than would. And, and I wonder if Norman, what his opinion was about the Arantia book. If anybody knows and wants to fill me in, I'd love to hear from you, urantiabookradio at gmail.com. Um, just on a kind of a other side here. But to the point of this, I want to read from paper five because in my previous interview with Ryan, the man who is involved in a vision to try to bring the Urantia book to cinema, he said that, this is what he said, it was very interesting. He said, in order to understand the foreword, you have to read the Urantia book. And when you read the Urantia book, then you will understand the foreword. But you have to start with the foreword because that's how we gain wisdom from what we're reading. If we only start at the beginning, according to the authors, and we go to the end, then you're constantly trying to explain what you mean by that. So let me give you an example. Let's say the Urantia book, parts one, two, and three were reversed. And instead of part one, part one would now be at the end of the book before you go into the life and teachings of Jesus. And that's where it explains God the sevenfold and the different levels of supremacy and deity and all of the different unqualified absolutes versus the qualified absolutes, even in explaining the Trinity and the family of the Trinity. All of these things uh, should be the end of the story. 
But if you don't have that context, then reading about the history of our world and the stars, you'd always have to go backwards and say, yeah, but this part happened first. So what they really did was they started at the beginning. That's what I think the forward is. The forward sets the stage for the cause of God. What is God causing to happen? Because he anticipates that all of the things that are going to happen, he has to be prepared for them. He has to set the table, so to speak. And so, for example, the Trinity exists uh, with the intent of having a universal family of children of varying orders and degrees. So they explain, think of it as a timeline. I, I look at the Urantia book as the forward is what happened before the beginning. The stage was set. All of the infrastructure was put in place to be able to maintain the physical, mental, and spiritual cur uh, circuits that would be in operation. You know, you think about people go into a town and they put up light poles and they put up electricity and at each step of the way there's a certain group of individuals that are involved you know digging the dirt to put the cement in to put somebody who has to make the poles somebody has to make the wires somebody who has to invent and produce the transformers it's it's not all done by one person it's 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 you know god is self-distributive uh, and he's created this entire family in, at least in this stage of, of universe existence where all of these things are possible. And that's what the forward seeks to explain, the groundwork. And that's why the more I read the Urantia book, the more I can go back to the forward and really appreciate it. So let me just read from, uh, in the forward, section five, it talks about personality realities. And I'll read it and I'll, hopefully it will have an impact or it'll have the same impact on you as it did, as it did me. Personality is a level of deified real, reality and ranges from the mortal and midwayer level of the higher mind activation of worship and wisdom up through the morontial and spiritual to the attainment of finality of personality status. That is the evolutionary ascent of mortal and kindred creature personalities, but there are numerous other orders of universe personalities. So again, let me just read... What they're telling us is this is how we're going to go. Personality, which we possess, is a level of deified reality. Now, a level of deified reality means that a personality could, could exist at a very low range. And it starts, it actually starts, that range of being able to see deified reality, which is to recognize the possibility of there being a god, starts with worship and wisdom. And from there, that personality evolves along the Marantian spiritual paths to an attainment level that gets to an eventual point of you've exhausted your, your personality status, growth. You have exhausted every potential for your life, and yet there is still more, even after you're mustered into the core of the finality. Uh, and, and that's... It could be a million years, it could be a billion years. We don't know. But we do know that there, is, there are successive levels of reality of grasping deity. And that's, that's our path. Reality is subject to universal expansion. Now what does that mean? Reality is subject to universal expansion. 
It means it can continue to grow. Reality today is not, uh, you know, it's not a fixed reality. It's continually expanding. And that includes personality, and, uh, and it also includes infinite diversification. And both are capable of well-nigh unlimited deity coordination and eternal stabilization. So the forces of deity will always be there. They'll always be expanding. They'll always be coordinating with us. We will always be participating in the process of universal and reality expansion. And, and just to give you a little bit of context, so we are, uh, the current grand universe is comprised of seven separate uh, universal systems. Then there's Havona, which is the central universe. And then within Havona is the Isle of Paradise and the residence of God and, and, and the Trinity. But what's outside of the grand universe are universes that, is, universes that are now coming into formation. They don't yet have evolutionary life. And I would take that to mean that if you look at Andromeda, which is just on the outside of our present universe, that is a growing system. Now, does that imply that there are no, there's no planetary life on any of those stars or any of the subsatellites of those stars? We don't know. But we do know from this is that where we have seven super universes now, what's coming into creation through deity and the expansion of deity are, what is it, 700,000 universes? So that's just the first outer space level. Then there's the secondary, and then there's a tertiary. So eventually there will be four levels of this universal expansion. And that's, that should give you some semblance of just how powerful deity is. Let me just continue on reading here. The universal father is the secret of the reality of personality, the bestowal of personality, and the destiny of personality. The eternal son is the absolute personality, the secret of spiritual energy, marantia, spirit, and perfected spirits. The conjoint actor, who we know the infinite spirit, is the spirit-mind personality, the source of intelligence, reason, and the universal mind. But the Isle of Paradise is non-personal and extra-spiritual, being the essence of the universal body, the source and center of physical matter, and the absolute master pattern of universe material reality. And this is where it gets really interesting. Number one, these qualities of universal reality are manifest in the Urantia human experience on the following levels. Number one, body, the material or physical organism of man, the living electrochemical mechanism of animal nature and origin. Two, mind, the thinking, perceiving, and feeling mechanism of the human organism, the total conscious and unconscious experience, the intelligence associated with the emotional life reaching upward through worship and wisdom to the spirit level. Number three, the spirit, the divine spirit that indwells the mind of man, the thought adjuster. This immortal spirit is pre-personal. By the way, this is the first time I believe that the thought adjuster is mentioned. So we're being introduced to a new word, uh, which basically can be translated into the spirit fragment of the father. This immortal spirit is pre-personal, not a personality though destined to become a part of the personality 
of the surviving mortal creature. Number four is the soul. The soul of man is an experiential acquirement. As a mortal creature chooses to do the will of the Father in heaven, so the indwelling spirit becomes the father of a new reality in human experience. The mortal and material mind is the mother of this same emerging reality. The substance of this new reality is neither material nor spiritual. It is morontial. And here they're introducing the concept of morontial. This is the emerging and immortal soul which is destined to survive mortal death and begin the paradise ascension. Personality. The personality of mortal man is neither body, mind, or spirit. Neither is it the soul. Personality is the one changeless reality in an otherwise ever-changing creature experience, and it unifies all other associated factors of individuality. The personality is the unique bestowal which the universal Father makes upon the living and associated energies of matter, mind, and spirit, and which survives with the survival of the Marancha soul. And Marancha is a term designating a vast level intervening between the material and the spiritual. It may designate personal or impersonal realities, living or non-living energies. The warp of Marancha is spiritual, its woof is physical. So this is from section 5 of the foreword. And again, these qualities of universal reality are manifest in the human experience, mind, body, and spirit. And I think it's a, something that is definitely worth contemplating. And again, the foreword is the preparatory document. I'll tell you a funny story I heard. It may or may not be true. But I understand that when Dr. William Sadler and Bill Sadler, uh, the book was completed, there, the, the last thing that came with the book was the foreword. And uh, through a communique, they, Dr. Sadler had requested, you know, perhaps we should write a foreword or an introductory statement. And the communique back from the celestial uh, overseers of this project said, we'll take care of that. You, uh, and then some phrase of, you cannot... Uh, hold a candle to the sun or something. You cannot illuminate the sun with a candle or something like that. Anyway, but they wrote the foreword as the last, I assume it's the last uh, part of the document, or maybe not. There's no reason to believe one or the other, but it's an important preparatory document. And I think it also weeds out a lot of people who are just looking for a, a trendy religion to hang on to for a little while. I mean, the Ranch book does require a lot of dedication. Uh, and that's why I think, you know, a lot, there, are, there aren't as many second milers as we wish there were. But if, if grasping a beautiful conception of, of heaven and the universe at large is something that turns you on, well, welcome to the Urantia book. And I think we'll leave it there next week. I'm excited to have on Teresa Marks. We'll talk about her spiritual bill of rights that she's uh, developed and, and also some her experiences as a Urantia book reader. She's a great musician, and I've used some of her writings. I've read some of them and referred to them. So it'll be our first conversation, and I'm looking forward to it. So until next time, thanks for stopping by. I appreciate you, and I think maybe I'm in the mood for a little relaxing South American music uh, to our friends uh, in South America. So we'll see you next time here on the Urantia Radio Podcast. <laughs>